Hey guys, welcome back to an all new, brand new episode of Unknown Serial Killers. Thank you again for joining me. I know it's been a while, but we're back. Um, Just had to take like a little break, but here we are. We're back to talk about more serial killers and their crimes. Of course, if you haven't listened to any of the seasons or any of the episodes in any of the seasons, please go do that now because you don't want to miss anything because they're just that great. Of course, viewers' expression is advised because we're talking about murder, violence, and possible drug use. Of course, we're talking about murder and violence because why else would we be here? Today, we're talking about Gerald Parker, a.k.a. the Bedroom Basher. So let's just jump right in. Parker was born in 1955 into a poor family with 11 brothers and sisters. In 1963, his mother passed away and his grandmother had to take care of him. After the death of his mother, Parker and his family moved to a segregated housing in Arizona. In the mid-1960s, Parker and his brother moved to a neighborhood mainly populated by African-Americans with little to no education and was a frequent target of bullies. Due to trouble at school, he began to huff household and industrial chemicals, eventually becoming an addict. In the late 1960s, Parker moved with his family to San Diego, California. In his teens, he began to use drugs such as LSD. His school grades worsened as a result. In 1970, he stole several items from his school but was captured and promptly expelled. Due to his age and the law of the juvenile court, however, he wasn't charged with the crime. He was transferred under supervision of guardians to the Boys Republic, a private all-boys school, for troubled adolescents located in Chino. After spending several months at the school, Parker escaped and led a transient lifestyle for the next few years. In 1973, Parker enlisted in the United States Army and enrolled into the Marine Corps. Until 1974, he served a military base in Attic, Alaska, where which he was transferred to Tustin, where he worked from 1974 to 1977. In 1978, he received the honorary title of Staff Sergeant. In 1978, he continued his service at the El Toro Air Station in Ivan, where he served until he began until the beginning of 1980, when due to problems with law enforcement, he was forced to resign. So he started off bad, then ended up pretty good, then went back again. It's just like a sandwich. You you start off bad, you get something good, and then of course, it ends with something bad. In February 15, 1980, Parker abducted and raped a 14-year-old girl in Tustin. He released her without causing her any further serious injuries. The victim contacted the police and described the car and appearance of her assailant on the bias of which Parker was soon arrested. He confessed to the crime in exchange for his sentence. He also admitted to a robbery committed 13 days earlier in Pasadena while visiting his brother. Parker was found guilty of rape and received an eight-year sentence, which he served at the California Correctional Institution. On February 13, 1984, while in custody, Parker attacked his cellmate, David, with a blunt object inflicting serious head injuries. The motive for the attack was never established, and in June 1984, Parker was given an additional sentence for causing grievous bodily harm. In November 1987, he was paroled and released. 
Over the next few years, he led a transient lifestyle, periodically working as a day laborer, but earning his income mainly through theft. In July 1993, he was arrested for several thefts and robberies in Orange County, for which he was convicted and sentenced to four years imprisonment. However, in February 1995, he was paroled again. In January the following year, Parker was rearrested for violating the conditions of his parole and returned to prison to serve out his sentence. During this time, he was forced to give a blood sample. So this is where it's going to get good. DNA profiling testing were conducted on the blood sample from Parkett, which showed that his profile corresponded to that of an unidentified serial killer who left biological traces during six attacks on different women around Orange County between 1978 and 1979, using primarily a two-by-four piece of lumber, a hammer, or a mallet. For this reason, the killer was nicknamed the Bedroom Basher. Based on this, on June 14, 1996, Gerald Parker was questioned for his involvement at his cell in a Vandal State Prison. He denied having anything to do with the killings and protested his innocence, but under pressure from mounting evidence, he confessed during another interrogation two days later. According to his testimony on December 1st, 1978, Parker entered the apartment of 17-year-old Sandra Fry who he raped and beat severely, inflicting severe head injuries that later killed her. Parker's next murder took place on March 31, 1978, in Costa Mesa. He entered the apartment of 21-year-old Kimberly Rawlins, whom he raped and then hit on the head with a blunt object. As with Fry, he left biological traces on Rawlins' body. So if you're going to kill somebody, why leave any type of DNA on them? I don't think he really thought this through, but let's keep going. On September 14th, he entered the apartment of 31-year-old Marilyn, brutally beating her during an attempted rape, causing her severe head injuries, which she would die from the following day. This crime was witnessed by the victim's nine-year-old son, who subsequently described the attacker to police. It's a good thing he was there because they would have never probably caught him or known who he was. On September 30th, Parker attacked 20-year-old nurse Diana Green, who was nine months pregnant. She was nine months pregnant at the time. He beat her with a piece of blackboard and subsequently raped her. Green survived, but her child was stillborn and she fell into a retrograde amnesia. The killing left the crime scene unnoticed and didn't leave any clues behind as a result of which Kevin Green, the victim's husband, was wrongfully charged, convicted, and sentenced to life imprisonment for the attack in 1980. So this lady's husband went to jail for something that he had no recollection to, didn't didn't even do anything to her, didn't even know about this. I guess they figured, well, because it's the husband always got to text them first. If she has amnesia, that means she doesn't remember anything that happened in that time frame. That is just, that is just awful. Hmm. On October 6th, Parker entered the Tustin apartment of 24-year-old Deborah Kennedy. He attacked and severely beat her with a hammer, causing her severe head injuries and a brain hemorrhage. She later died of her injuries. In this instance, Parker managed to avoid leaving behind any incriminating evidence aside from his semen traces on the victim's body. Now, if you're going to do this, why leave any of this there? Like, this is crazy. I don't think he really thought this through. He really did not. 
14 days later, he committed another murder in Costa Mesa. He entered the apartment of 17-year-old Deborah Sr., raping and then beating her with a blunt object, inflicting severe head injuries that eventually killed her. This time, Parker left behind not only his biological traces, but a palm print on his left of his left hand. During interrogations, Parker's testimony turned out to be consistent with the times and the dates of the crime, despite his claims that he had committed these acts while in an intoxicated state. Gerald Parker's trial began in 1997. He did not dispute his guilt in the murders. The main evidence was based on the DNA test and his own confession, because of which he was sentenced to death by lethal injection in 1999. The charges against Kevin Lee Green, convicted of assaulting his wife and murdering their unborn daughter, were dropped, and he was released after spending 16 years behind bars. So this innocent man spent 16 years behind bars for the attempted murder of his wife and the murder of their unborn child. And he had nothing to do with anything. It took them this long to finally recover the actual person who did this. That is some years of his life taken away. He can never get that back. Parker is currently incarcerated at San Quentin State Prison awaiting execution. In 2017, his lawyers appealed for the nullification of his death sentence and for a new trial, arguing that Parker was mentally disturbed at the time of the murders as a result of his of his being bullied as a child combined with abuse of drugs and alcohol. However, that appeal was rejected. So there you have it. There is the story of Gerald Parker. Um, the takeaway from this is I really feel sorry for that for that woman who lost her baby she lost her her memory and I feel sorry for her husband who had to spend years in prison and he just sat there until justice was actually served until this day he is still on death row and uh, I just don't think that he should still be sitting there. He shouldn't be sitting there. His inmate number is J-10319 at San Quentin State Prison. Thank you guys for joining me. I hope you guys come back and join me again next week as we uncover another crazy roller coaster of a ride of these serial killers. Like I tell you guys, please be nice to people because you never know who they killed. See you guys next week.